Most of us believe we treat everyone equally, but the reality is we don't. One reason is biased behavior. Workplace bias isn't a new term. So what is biased behavior? And how does it affect your work, your productivity? Stay tuned to uncover all this as topics like diversity, equity and inclusion expand beyond just the basics to cover some of these more complex areas of the workplace. I'm Ali Khan and welcome to the Shape Your Work podcast with my co-host Simone Fenton Jarvis. So Simone, what are these workplace biases? So I guess, you know, have you ever seen someone wearing something you didn't like? Um, did it remind you of someone that you had a bad experience with? Um, do they talk a certain way that brings back bad memories? Um, you know, I guess this is the most practical way to think of a bias. It's, um, you know, triggering something in your mind of a, a previous experience, I guess. And it's the, the prejudice that comes with that. And it's, it's based on unfair assumptions. So I guess, you know, that, that simplest way is categorizing um, certain things, certain behaviors, certain visuals into two of the most common biases, which is conscious bias and unconscious bias. So you've got the conscious bias that, you know, we know about, um, that we can, you know, we readily understand it, we tackle it, and we we can bring it into our argument as it's it's something you're aware of. So that, that awareness is there. So you can kind of work around it. But when it's unconscious bias, you know, we, we need to be aware of that one because that's the dangerous one because essentially we don't know what we don't know. Um, and if we don't know when we're making decisions around the unconscious thoughts that are in our mind, um, you know, we, we're not going to be doing our best thinking essentially. Um, and it's easy to know that, you know, when we're being biased and when we're not being biased, um, it's not, it's just not easy. And I think, you know, it can't easily be addressed. So it's a difficult one. Hmm, thank you. I, I guess we should try to dissect then which ones of these uh, affect the day-to-day -day work performance and processes so we can understand them in, better in the context of Shape Your Work. So can you outline some of those biases? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I guess there's the, the sub biases. So if we go through a few of them different ones, we've got confirmation bias. So when you think you're right, regardless of any fact to the contrary, um, you've got beauty bias, um, which is just when someone isn't fitting in with the norm, uh, whatever the norm is, uh, the halo effect, um, a, a play is it play when I guess, you know, a single quality outweighs all of the negatives. So we think that this person is like absolutely amazing because of all of these other things, because there's one good thing that they do. And yet there's a million other behaviors that come that are poor behaviors and we just don't see them because we really like that one great behavior. So that's just an example. Um, and then the opposite of that is when the, the negative aspect takes precedence over the good. So there's all of these really amazing things that people do, but then there's one bad thing and that's called um, having horns. So, you know, another particular bias affecting the performance review cycles and productivity metrics is the attribution bias. So, for example, you know, some managers may associate good performance as being a fluke or being lucky and bad performance with just simply being unqualified for the job. Um, so that is obviously quite crucial when it comes to leading our teams and looking at the data that we're, uh, we're trying to, I guess, inform how people are performing um, at work. 
Yeah, I guess it really does highlight just how these biases can be quite harmful. Uh, and I guess validating um, you know, our thinking through our stereotypes, making assumptions and these kind of judgments based on how people look, um, uh, how, how you feel, rather than actually really looking at the facts, is quite a dangerous place to be. Let's go a bit deeper. What, why do people behave this way? Good question. Um, I guess as human beings, we're the products of our experiences, our feelings, our desires, and our bias. You know, we're products of our environment. Um, our natural instinct is to blend in with that environment. Um, so we are making them kind of implicit judgments when we see, meet, or greet people because it's what we know. It's our norm. Um, and we're also guilty of taking shortcuts to deal with information that we process. So sometimes, you know, there's a lot going on in your brain. You will, your brain will jump to an assumption because it thinks, oh, we know, two plus two is four. We're going to go there again. So, yeah, the answer's four. I don't even care what the question is. The answer's four. Um, so, you know, it's just how our brains are trying to, I guess, conserve energy. Um, we're always at risk of taking decisions based more on emotion rather than rational thinking. Um, and, you know, we, I guess we, we misconstrue facts to justify them and align them within our, with our own narratives. So it's definitely to be aware of when our kind of heart, brain and gut are leading different conversations and how balanced we can get that. Um, and then the pre-established filters as well. So, you know, what's fueling our perspectives? Um, and then they go on to fuel views and, you know, whatever's contrary to those beliefs as well. Wow, this is getting pretty deep. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, let, let's let's um, uh, perhaps go even deeper. Um, so if we're a product of our experiences, that includes the people that we're with, then I guess it's true, isn't it, that we really do become like the people that we're most with. So staying with that theme for a second, um, can you help with how the workplace itself contributes to building these um, psychological hostilities, you know, propelling this biased behaviour? Yeah, I guess it's, you know, products and environment. I think, you know, when you look at an institutionalised organisation where you've got people that have been there for years, you know, there's telltale signs all around us. Um, if you look at the behaviours of the workforce, so, you know, what are people talking about? What is their language like? Are they welcoming and valuing to others? Are they making comments that are harmful, one-sided, accusatory, negative? Um, and I guess that that example is the anchor bias. So that first bit of information completely sways our way of thinking. So where are we at? Where are we starting our conversation from when we're meeting people? Um, is it from the, the true beginning or is it from the anchor that we have kind of chucked out of the ship? Um, so then there's the non-verbal bias. So where are the, the physical actions and behaviours like how people walk? Um, do they have a weak handshake, not holding eye contact, um, how they sit? Um, you know, do they join a call and they've got a hoodie on and you think, why are they on a call with a hoodie on? You know, I've had that before. So all of these things also inform our opinions and biases towards people. So I guess there's a lot of material out there um, on the, the many biases and how to avoid falling prey to them. Um, so I guess do your own research and also take some time to reflect on your kind of your week and your, your days and your week and how that all adds up and where are you, where are you starting from in your biases? Where's your anchor point? What's the product of your experiences? So 
you know, let's get to some measurements because, you know, like like everybody says, uh, every time I go to the gym and the, the machine that I jump on just before I do every workout is called a body tracks. And it's uh, if you're not measuring it, then you, you can't change it. Um, so what what's the best way to measure workplace biases and, and possibly even the impact that they have as well? Hey, thanks, Simone. I came I came prepared for this one in my hoodie, of course. Um, so this isn't actually an easy one, and it involves quite a bit of work uh, to really figure out, but it's really worth it, and it can really help every organization, every team out. You know, the literature, it talks about something called a bias quotient, and from what we can find, unfortunately, there isn't a single standard. It's quite a, uh, it's quite a difficult thing to, uh, uh, to, to standardize across the board, but you can understand that because it's not just simply asking one or two questions and getting the answers and here you go, here's a quotient, here's a measure. You have to look at behavioral and observational and comparative sciences coming into play. And then there's multiple different data sources like hiring data, policies of the company, workplace violations and incidents data as well. But if we come back to what what can a survey do, let, let's look into that. And I, I guess I want to start with four different key aspects uh, of measurability. So the first one is signals. So whilst your existing uh, employee survey may not be perfectly designed to measure bias, you can extract what you're looking for by looking at what we call the outliers. So what looks odd? And where do people look like they aren't really sitting within the norm? So, So look for these signals, these outlier signals. The measures themselves, as you've heard us say on previous uh, our, our, our recordings on podcasts, where the measure of the scoring system you're using, so is it zero to 100, zero is bad, 100 is fantastic, where are you in the middle, is it high, medium, low? And, and, and this is important because you need to understand where the threshold for action is really needed. So is it going to be at 20, 40, 60, 80, or 100, or somewhere in between? So taking the guesswork out of a measure is important too. And then you've got the benchmark. Now, this is an important one because it turns out that if you really want to understand if um, if, if, if there's inherent bias being um, uh, uh, practiced in the company, you might want to look at how does one outlier compared to the norm. And so make fair comparisons. So take, for example, demographic data of certain age and gender groups, look at it from a hierarchical perspective, do the higher up bounds you know, of organization compared to the lower bounds and are there outliers over there? Um, what about certain departments and teams with each other? Now, it's really important to mention here that this is um, very detailed level data, but you shouldn't ever be getting into individual level data. As at Shape, we say we have Apple level privacy. So whilst the data is very revealing, should never link back to a person. And this is you know, incredibly difficult to do, but it's not impossible. And then you've got context. So you're going to be reading the data that somebody else might see and get something very flat from it. But you're getting this really rich context and that means you understand other aspects around the data, like, for example, where are the higher performing people tend to sit in an organization? Who are the different people in different teams? What kind of expectations do they have attached to that? And so you'll understand the data from a different perspective. So 
putting all these signals, these measures, these benchmarks and adding context to it allows you to sleuth and pick out what doesn't look quite right. Yeah, I guess that takes me to like, there's almost a car analogy coming to my mind. Um, it's not just about that that finished product of the, the great kind of flashy car sat in front of you, but how was it constructed? What's the engine like? Um, is it been safety tested, independently verified, and, and so on? So it's really interesting to hear. Um, so what, what are the actual factors that we should focus on measuring then? Yeah, it's a it's a good analogy as well, actually. Um, uh, and and so yeah, let's jump straight into into looking at you know this combination of signals and scores and what kind of things are we looking out for. So think of things like high stress levels, low trust, poor work life balance, bad work ethic, and lower culture scores as well, perhaps, and burnout risk being prevalent. What about satisfaction? or poor commitment to the organization. So all of these are signals. And if they've got scores attached to them, you can start to see, ah, that's an outlier. I need to dig deeper. I wonder if people are um, uh, being somewhat biased within that area. So it's a good signal to, fo to follow the trail of. Let's go a little deeper, though, and let's read out some of the questions, for example, in the shape survey that we ask. And, and hopefully this gives a little bit more of an idea. So I'm just going to read two or three out here. So rate the degree of stress you get from relation conflicts at work. So let me, sorry, let me say that again. Rate the degree of stress you get from relationship conflicts at work. Another question we have is, I fit in well and I'm accepted by the organization and its people. There is no person on my team whose attitudes and behavior are harmful to team harmony. One of my favorites here is my manager deals effectively with incompetent and underperforming employees. So you can see how powerful these data points might be. And there's many more that you can get your hands on. What's really, what's really good about this is when you correlate these, you get some quite powerful views that then lead you to understanding something's not quite right here. It needs addressing. So some other question for you then. How about we get into how we solve bias when we come across it in the organization? Can you help with that? Yeah, sure. And do you know what? Them, them questions as well stand out for me because the amount of surveys that people throw out and all of these conflicting surveys, the questions that they're being asked are just not getting the answer that actually gives you genuine data. It's just like a, a and what answer so yeah the, the the way you you phrase the questions are definitely crucial so once you've got these awesome questions deployed and you know what's kind of what's going on and you've got the feedback what what do we do then and i guess there's quite a few interventions out there that we we should consider so ub training unconscious bias training so for example you know the the implicit association test so to help people avoid falling prey to unconscious bias so there's, there's that from a self-awareness perspective. Um, even Microsoft have online training packages which show everyday workplace scenarios. Um, lots of other interventions like the tag game, father and son activity, circle of trust, um, you know, all of which you can just you know pop onto a search engine and uh, check out for yourselves. Um, but then there are a few things that we can all do. So start from the top. Um, it's not just the responsibility of senior management. Every manager can lead by example. 
So the message to managers is that it's your responsibility to protect your culture and psychological well-being. So your action and inaction, and inaction is a crucial one here as well, has the power to tackle unconscious biases or legitimize them. You know, what are the behaviors that you're choosing to walk past? And it is a choice. You don't have to walk past anything. Um, Pay attention. Make the other person your point of focus and, and listen deeply without judgment, distraction or the desire to respond. And I think, you know, that listening, it's, it's where people struggle. We, we go into action mode rather than understanding that listening is sometimes the action that people actually need. Um, it's good to reflect on vulnerabilities as well. So be authentic, acknowledge the facts and your past assumptions and, and honestly share your experiences by someone else's actions. Um, have the courage to examine your own behaviours. Um, it can be quite vulnerable, um, but you will grow from it. I definitely recommend that. Um, be empathetic. So try and understand um, why someone has a point of view, what's causing it, and go and invest time to appreciate perspectives. Um, you'll often hear the whole walk in somebody else's shoes. And do you know what? Like That for me isn't enough. We need to get curious and we need to ask questions. If we don't understand somebody else's point of view, be brave to ask questions and say, I really want to, to understand this. So can you help me understand this? So, you know, be, be brave and put yourselves out there and be vulnerable. Um, so do you want to re- wrap up with a little recap, Ali? Yeah, wow, we've, uh, we're up on time, really. So um, thanks for that, Simone. Well, I guess bias is just being human, but it is wrong and it can be incredibly destructive. Be aware of the conscious bias decisions you're taking. Pause and think about your choices, the fairness and reputation that you have. Work on your own unconscious bias as well and beware of the signs that come with that. As managers, know that you have a big part to play in amplifying or controlling that bias. Your inaction will make things worse. So find a respectable way to stem bias, call it out, retrain your staff, your team members, and raise the standards. Recognize that ultimately bias will lead to low performance and productivity in the workplace. And jump in when you hear someone propagate you know, common misconceptions, um, politely correct them. Raise the standard, you know, of uh, of um, everybody around you, not just uh, um, not just in in your own direct vicinity, and and then use your employee survey data and investigate by looking at the signals of bias. Make sure it's got a clear scoring system that loses uh, the in- the ambiguity, allows you to take uh, um, you know the focus and attention to where the priorities need to be. And remember, comparative data will help you understand where those outliers are. Wow. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Join us on the Shape Your Work LinkedIn channel for more workplace topics. Um, Follow us both on our socials to learn more about what we do. And remember, bias is eating into your most valuable commodity, productivity, especially at a time when many businesses are trying to figure out how to get more of it. So next time, don't fall for it. Don't succumb to the biases. Rise above it, make better decisions, make yourself, your colleagues and your business proud.